0: Hello and welcome to the Frozen Light podcast. A podcast aimed at staying in touch with the PMLD community in the age of coronavirus.
1: So I'm Lucy Garland and I'm one of the co-artistic directors of Frozen Light.
0: And I'm Amber Onat-Gregory and I am the other co-artistic director of Frozen Light. And Frozen Light make multi-sensory theatre for audiences with profound and multiple learning disabilities,
1: which tours all over the UK. And at the moment, due to coronavirus, our touring is on hold. So we started this podcast with the aim of keeping in touch with our audience and
0: increasing the visibility of people with PMLD during lockdown. And we are loving staying in touch with people. So if you have any questions for us or you're interested in our recruitment of new trustees for our board, or being on the audience panel, please do contact us on info at frozenlighttheatre.com. And on today's show, we are talking to Carol from Jolly
1: Josh. We'll give her a ring now. So hi, Carol. Welcome to the Frozen Light podcast. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And can you introduce yourself and Jolly Josh to the listeners? Oh, so
2: I am a mum of three to Sophie, who's just turned six, Oliver, who's just turned one, and Joshua, who would before now, but he passed away aged 50 months in 2017. I'm a wife, a daughter, a friend, a teacher, and the founder of Jolly Josh, Jolly Josh aims to help families to connect, support and thrive, and we aim to inspire inclusion for those with a loved one, with additional needs, complex needs and PMLD. I volunteered at the local special school after Josh passed away, um, just to gain a sense of what his education might have looked like had he survived to school age. And the years later, I acquired a job there as a teacher of children with PMLD. So I teach at that school now and also voluntary manage Jolly Josh.
0: So busy, really busy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <But> that's, <laughs> that's amazing, though, that
0: Josh introduced you to that school and that's where you are now. Yeah. How amazing.
2: Yeah, interestingly, I, I was a playworker many moons ago in my um sort of beginning of my career as a one-to-one support assistant for a a play scheme in the school holidays so I already knew that it did sort of interest me and I, I loved working with children and it's come back round now. That's amazing.
0: Wonderful and how did you make the decision to start Jolly Josh?
2: So I really wanted to connect with other families who had a disabled child Joshua was born healthy, he was meeting all milestones, and then after his four-month immunisations, he began to regress. He know now that they triggered a disorder thought to be mitochondrial disorder, which is actually currently a storyline in Coronation Street. He developed extensive brain damage, and then just one week after his first birthday in May 2017, we were given the devastating prognosis that he had weeks if months to live which was a huge shock to us all there was a massive gap in the system a lack of support from similar existing groups especially from those in a position to empower my idea of jolly josh they really didn't and actually that just made me all the more determined that the concept was needed and not just for me but for others too I took Sophie and Joshua to almost three groups a week um, and never met another disabled child until I met Lorenza, who became a friend and now is a family supported by Jolly Josh. She actually features in our photography project as Family B on our website. Both of our children at the time had uh, nasal feeding tubes and we just made a beeline for each other across the roof. We may as well have like. Throwing every mother aside to, to get to each other <laughs> <laughs> and I asked her so many questions I was new to Cube reading and I just bombarded her with questions and I think I came away with the confirmation that Jolly Josh was needed and we wanted our families to connect I wanted for Sophie to meet other young sibling carers but Professionals follow confidentiality policies and they really couldn't link me with other families. However, they did really support the idea of Jolly Josh, so much so that they agreed to become trustees on the the group. So I started planning. I used our time in the Manchester Children's Hospital and our Derry and Children's Hospice to plan, really. Joshua passed away in August 2017, aged 15 months He didn't manage to attend the Jolly Josh session as as we'd hoped for, but we opened exactly one month after his passing. And it really was a way for me to direct my grief into something positive and create a legacy for him as well. And then the year later, in April 2018, we became an official charity with registered status. So it kind of um, went to grander schemes than I ever imagined, really. (laughs) And that must have been like... just moving fast (laughs) yeah it it really did move fast but I think that again proved the need for for the group you know we were becoming bigger than our expectations and it really did just clarify the need that it it wasn't just me that needed it there are a lot of other families that needed to access such a service
0: and it sounds like an incredible journey to have been on with um with both with josh and with the organization you mentioned Corey earlier and how josh's condition is currently a storyline that they're exploring
2: i um already follow the lily foundation um which is a charity that supports families with children with mitochondrial disorder so they're sort of the place where you go if you have got a diagnosis or symptoms of mito and so i was already following the lily foundation anyway but they've managed to um really support coronation street with the storyline i won't be watching it i haven't watched it but i fully back the story and i believe uh from what i'm seeing that um jane damson who plays leanne battersby is doing a phenomenal job in portraying our stories if you will as as the mother of a child with mitochondrial disorder so I do lots of tweets to her on um, Twitter in the hope that you know we can also raise the awareness of Jolly Josh as well. Yeah and I think that's just like
1: what soap operas can do so well because they sit with people in their living rooms if you're really into a soap
2: it feels like you're part of the family. I did write um, a blog for when Coronation Street Becomes your reality. I read a lot online of people saying, "Oh, it's only a soap opera." You know, lots of comments on social media. uh, It's only a soap opera, and I thought, no, there are absolutely hundreds of thousands of people living out this similar storyline. It might not be the exact storyline, but you know, we've we've lived it with what those characters choose. You know, albeit a different journey, but. it's real and, and I'm really pleased that that it's raised awareness of the disorder because when we got diagnosis in 2017 well we still actually don't have diagnosis no formal diagnosis it was the symptoms that provided the diagnosis but um we've not had formal but when you know when we got that prognosis in 2017 we'd never heard of it nobody you know nobody in our family or friendship circle had ever heard of it hence the reason why you get in touch with the lily foundation they're the experts in the field and they support the families out there with that prognosis moving on a little bit but also we probably should have put this in the beginning can you
1: just explain a little bit about what jolly josh is now and what it does
2: At present, Jolly Josh, well, prior to COVID, um, (laughs) because everything's so changed now, but prior to COVID, we were running weekly stay-in-play sessions at the school where I work, which is Springside with Hamer Learning Community School in Rochdale. And one morning a week, we were holding sort of a stay-in-play session. I really wanted to make it easier for people to access so that we have all Joshua's equipment there and obviously some donated equipment for for seating support. So when I was accessing groups, I had to take Joshua's specialized seating because he couldn't sit up to access play. So it just means something else that parents don't have to bring to the session. They don't have to lug around with them. They can arrive knowing that our um, venue and our sessions are accessible so they literally just turn up and enjoy themselves joshua was supposed to be having a gastrostomy but we never got that far but had he have done that we'd have been shown on a doll more than likely the peg feed but at jolly josh pretty much most of our children have a peg feed and I can't even count the number of times that mums have just lifted up the toddler's top to show another mum who's due to go to surgery with their child what it looks like, what they do, how they attach the feed, how it runs. So I think it really is a peer group of reducing anxiety, bringing about knowledge and understanding and learning together And then in addition, I wanted us to meet professionals in a less formal manner, in that they visit Jolly Josh. So every week we timetable a different professional. In the first year, I think we had 23 different professionals visit. So they range from nurses, GPs, um, dieticians, OTs, physios. The, The scope is huge. But what it means is they come alongside our parents as a group. So they have a little bit more confidence. They're in their own zone. They're not having to go into clinic. And the conversation is a lot more relaxed. The children are happily playing in our provision. But also I think what that does is, Joshua had 23 professionals working around his care, I think. Although we might not have needed those professionals in the the beginning, we ended up needing them. So I think if your child doesn't need that professional now, but in the future, You can always think I've met that person at Jolly Josh. I've got a face to the name. I've got a bit of familiarity, so that when I do go to clinic, it's a bit less daunting. So that's what we've done so far with Jolly Josh, but the scope is due to change. We made an announcement in November 2019. So not so long ago as a total surprise to our families and to myself at the time. But in September, we celebrated our second year anniversary. So still only a really small, newly established charity, but we were given the huge opportunity to develop our own venue. It still doesn't seem real, a home for Jolly Josh. Thanks to two incredibly generous local businessmen Dan of Curse Developments and P- of PGC. And the construction started in November. So it was a, a bit of a whirlwind, really. <laughs> we're really proud that we're housing a changing places facility and i had our families are absolutely over the moon it really is um it really is huge for us and i do need to pinch myself that it's actually happening but it has been a huge journey already it's been So stressful and challenging at times, especially because Oliver was only two months old when we took on the build, and my husband, James, is the volunteer architect for the project. So we've both not only invested an unsociable amount of time into the build, but also it's, you know, it's been emotional for us, and it has quite often questioned our sanity at times. (laughs) But we're really proud. But it it has it's come at a high price, and that's not just the price of the construction. Um, <laughs> we've we've sacrificed a lot of ourselves to the venture. But we just we just know it's going to work, and we know it's going to make a huge difference to to Rochdale and to our families, and hopefully the the wider community. I think people will travel to to reach us. So when do you reckon it will be open? I think Covid's got a lot to answer for as it has for everything. It's had a big impact on the construction in terms of lockdown and our fundraising and our access to bids as well. But we are very grateful that uh, a lot of businesses and people have got behind us in Rochdale um, donated services, their time, their equipment, their efforts into creating an inclusive accessible centre for us. So we do now have the shell we did announce an exciting year for Jolly Josh because I think we were hoping to have opened um, but obviously we have been hampered but we're just so pleased that the vision is still progressing and anybody who is interested can view the photographs on our website. Um, the hydrotherapy pool's in, uh, the plasterboard is up, the shell of the changing places is there ready to be kitted out. So yeah, we've, you know, in terms of the fact that this was only a decision made in September to know that we've got this far already on the back of volunteers and people and local businesses who have just given to Jolly Josh. I think because we are all volunteers at Jolly Josh, we don't have any employed staff members at present. We've obviously had to do this alongside our work and our families. And now it's just a case of wait and see, wait and see when we open, really. We just keep, ticking along but I think they're all impressed with the the speed that we've gone at so far really considering the decision was only made in September to to build. I I think it's incredible I can't believe you've achieved so much especially like during a pandemic. (laughs) It is it is amazing when you think how much has been given to us you know there are there are businesses out there that have donated all of the time all of the services it it is going to be very special for our community.
0: But, you know, you talk about the charity and Jolly Josh with such energy and passion that I can, I can totally see why, um, why you have so many organisations and people wanting to back the organisation. So that's an amazing thing to have as an advocate, you know, that's what advocates need really. I think we're very lucky,
2: very lucky.
0: In episode two of uh, the Frozen Light podcast, Joanna Grace talks about the need of images of people with PMLD to be shared across social media. In episode six, we met Thomas, who is a model for a bubble production um, organization, which is amazing. And during lockdown, you've created a portrait of our families during lockdown 2020. Can you tell us a bit more about this project? And actually it was this project that made us aware of Jolly Josh and of your organization
2: yeah I, I've listened to the podcast, and I think it really does emphasize how much power our photography project has within representing our families, within our community and society as a whole. unfortunately they're they're not often represented. For example, I took Joshua to an event within our borough for parents and carers with disabled children and this was prior to his terminal diagnosis at this point we knew he had extensive brain damage but I was told by one person who was in a position of power and influence and had the ability to support our family that most disabled children are at home with their parents and it really angered me it suggested to me that i should stay hidden away with joshua and it really would have been the easy option for me to do joshua needed specialist equipment everywhere that we went he needed fifty medicines a day in between his tube beads and suction and then due to his condition he was sick more times than i could ever count so staying at home hidden would have been the easy option but we wanted to be social and sophie was almost three so I felt the real need for her to mix with peers. And more than anything, I wanted Joshua to experience and explore the world, especially when we got terminal diagnosis. I paraded him around for the world to see. I think the idea of the photograph shoot came to me whilst watching this morning, actually. They were doing a feature on the Duchess of Cambridge and she'd revealed a project called Hold Still, which was a portrait of our nation during lockdown. And I decided that we could make this relevant to our charity and to our families. And that in doing so, like you say, it would be a reminder to the public and the powers that be that our families exist behind our closed doors. They are shielding vulnerable loved ones and that we need to be considered within the guidance that they're creating. And also it really enabled us to reach out to social media to create awareness. Like you say, that's how you heard of our charity. And also the hope was that in seeing our families, other families in similar circumstances would be encouraged to access our charity. And again, it allowed us to provide an insight to our sponsors, our supporters, our fundraisers to better understand where their support's going when they do support Jolly Josh. So the project was huge, really. It allowed us to do so many things within the the one project. The images are incredibly emotive. Asha Burrell is an award-winning photographer and she volunteered her time to create the gallery for us she was actually our wedding photographer in 2017 and i broached her with the idea of creating this project and she jumped at the opportunity she was she was amazing our families were all very excited to do the photo shoots and i think we're really grateful that we helped them to capture these memories also the gallery portrays helpers and heroes. Two of our Jolly Josh trustees are photographed in their professional capacity, whilst they're out supporting our families in lockdown. So the gallery was just, for us, a really wonderful project that was able to reach, reach the widest of society, hopefully, and represent our families out in our community. And they are really,
1: really beautiful photos. So Thank do you. go on the Jolly Josh website and, and uh, check them out.
0: They're lovely. And we'll share them on our podcast show notes as well.
1: Yeah, please do. They are incredible. Very moving. So that's one way that you've sort of stayed in touch with, with families during lockdown. Are there any other ways that, that you as a as a Jolly Josh community have managed to to stay connected?
2: Yeah, so... Like I said, we are all um, volunteers at Jolly Josh. We've got no current employees. We ourselves have all continued to work throughout lockdown as key workers and NHS staff. So it's been a difficult time for us behind the scenes as well. But when our current weekly sessions had closed due to COVID, it was crucial to us that our families were able to still connect and support one another. So we created an online chat network for that to take place. It doesn't of course compare to the personal and physical engagement that they were getting at our sessions but it has provided a means for them to, to continue to connect and they have it's been amazing to see. In addition we were really grateful to be supported by Rochdale Soup Kitchen throughout lockdown. They've supported 10 of our families with weekly food deliveries whilst they're shielding and we also provided a six-week workshop which was delivered by Beyond Psychology called Dealing with Distress When Supporting Others and that was really interesting. It became really clear that lockdown wasn't the only cause of anxiety for our families. The real source of anxiety actually now relates to the easing of lockdown and how they transition into the new normal and begin to really risk assess entering that world with their vulnerable loved one. And I think that's what we've
1: heard from lots of our guests you know when it was like everybody felt like they were in it together and now it's sort of the, the world's opening up and actually becoming more dangerous for for people with
2: with you know complex health needs yeah hugely hugely and I think you know everybody's circumstances differ so much that it really is now uh, individual risk assessments for for each family and and trying to venture into the new normal when it's safe and and when you're ready to do so
0: and we're recording this currently on the 16th of July. And, you know, the, the current date for shielding ending, as the government keeps putting it, is the 1st of August. But Lucy sent me a link yesterday from the NHS website, which was advice for people who are vulnerable to COVID about what steps they should take after the 1st of August. And I didn't use the word shielding, but the steps you should take are basically to continue Absolutely. to shield.
2: <laughs> yeah. So yeah.
0: even though it's saying, oh, the last day is, you know, the 1st of August, actually the NHS advice is to continue to keep these steps that you've all got, we've all got in place now.
2: And I do think many of our families, you know, they've got some huge decisions to make and in, we've, we've just got to respect everybody's personal, personal opinions when it comes to stepping out into the new normal.
0: And the motto of Jolly Josh is the hashtag Connect, Support, Thrive. Having spoken to you now, I can completely see where that hashtag comes from. You totally, you live and you breathe it in everything that you've created with Jolly Josh. One of the key things we keep hearing from people when recording the podcast is how isolated the learning disability community has felt during lockdown. And we've just been speaking about this too How do you think we can connect and support each other more as a society, particularly after experiencing a global pandemic?
2: Well, it's really interesting because when lockdown began to ease and public places opened, many of the um, toilets remained closed. And of course, it was criticised greatly by the public. But this toilet issue has always been problematic for our families. You know, society has never really understood nor gave nor showed any real empathy until now <laughs> when it is, <laughs> when it's impacting them you know our families have been changing their loved ones on urine soaked toilet floors because there's been no other option for so long changing places and campaigners have voiced the need to be able to toilet with dignity and thankfully i think that we are starting to be heard and obviously, we're really proud that Jolly Josh will have a change in places. But with regards to Jolly Josh, we've we've allowed parent-carer voice to be united. We've become more powerful as we join families together um, and created a community. We hope to empower our families with the knowledge, with understanding and with the determination to connect. It's really important to us that our families are representative, represented, that they're seen, that they're heard, um, and hopefully our photography project has gone some way into helping, helping that. But also serving as a reminder to society that as they do begin to ease out of lockdown, there are in fact many people who can and who will remain shielded. I think as Rachel Wright said in her podcast episode, It's to be hoped for that society now has some form of empathy and understanding for our families, for whom isolation is unfortunately the norm due to various factors, perhaps some of those being judgmental faces, rude whispers and stares, which I know all of our families experience. And we really do need to break down the barriers and help our communities to include our families to perhaps teach them how to communicate and interact with our loved ones and that can simply just start from a smile rather than a stare so I think it's a bit hoped that the world will be a kind of place as we enter the new normal but there's that word again hope yeah and I think this keeps coming up as well in the
1: podcast like we have a real opportunity to to, to look at that and, and to have some empathy through everything and and hope that things get better I'm trying to remain hopeful about it.
2: <laughs> always, always. <laughs>
1: and it's based on on that note. Are there any changes? And you've touched on it a little bit, but are there any changes that you hope will support people with with profound and multiple learning disabilities and, and complex health needs in in the future, influenced by this time in lockdown?
2: I think I think really the key is the the empathy and being represented. You know. Really, it was touched on by Joanna Grace, our loved ones with PMLD. Maybe it's because there's not the inclusive, accessible venues. So, you know, our families don't travel out because at the end of the day, they can't toilet the children. So we're not seen in society. We're not represented. And we're sort of just... Hidden away behind closed doors most of the time, and maybe that does stem from the confidence of the parent and carers. You know, you've got to be quite thick-skinned to go out and to perform suction in a cafe and restaurant to have the whole place turn around and look at your noisy machine whilst you're delving in with the uh, with with the suction. You know, you've got to you've got to be quite thick-skinned to do that. And I am. You know, I I. I'm thick-skinned, and I wanted to parade Josh round for the world to see. But we have many parents at Jolly Josh who who are and who have been have have received verbal abuse, if you will, whilst sat in a cafe, tube feeding their child. So we did start the summer socials at Jolly Josh, which is um, a weekly visit to a different park and what that allowed was our parents and carers to become one for those outings so that they didn't feel subject to those stares to those judgmental looks to the to the quiet whispers it's a lot easier to handle when you're within a group of of peers i think but hopefully hopefully society will be a kinder place and show a little bit of empathy towards us but we shall see
1: yeah, and that's just, you know, I think it's a really good point that people with, with with profound and multiple learning disabilities are not visible because society doesn't allow that to happen. And it's not just physical access. It's, you know, the changing places and, and not having those available is a massive thing, but it's not just that. It's people's attitudes and, and the way people are treated. And we just need to be kinder to each, to each other and, you know, allow everybody to to live how they want to live
0: and that Hopefully. links so much to the social model of disability and creating a world that is accessible for disabled people
2: it starts with a smile rather than a stare for me and, and I think you know it, a smile has a huge impact doesn't it
1: absolutely and it is like it's that's kind of one of the things we always say at frozen light to people just just smile guys just be nice
2: (laughs) that's it if you don't know what to do you don't know how to interact with our loved ones just smile and and it it just shows that there's that you know that's that bit of acceptance and puts us at ease when when we're out and about as well
0: brilliant well it's been amazing talking to you i've loved every minute it's been really wonderful and you know, your energy for Jolly Josh is really incredible. And I really look forward to following your journey.
1: Thank you. And I feel like we need a trip to uh, Rochdale to, the, to see this new venue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Hopefully, hopefully. So you can, you can um, stay in the loop on our website and our social media. And um, yeah, I can't wait to open. I can't wait to welcome our families.
1: Do you want to just let us know your website address and social media? We'll put them in the show notes.
2: Website is www.jollyjosh.co.uk, and we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Jolly Josh One. Amazing! Well, thank you so much, Carol. It's been
1: brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I don't know about you, Amber, but I really, really enjoyed that podcast interview.
0: Yeah, it was just—it was just brilliant. I think just the energy and passion that Carol has for the organisation just shows you how much someone can do in such a short space of time when they have a cause that they just believe in so, so strongly. The amount that they've done as such a young organisation so far is really, really incredible.
1: I mean, to to have been set up for two years, two, two and a half yeah. years and become a charity have a building nearly ready and built. It's
0: like phenomenal. Yeah, it's amazing to see what people can do to change the world, really. And particularly when during this podcast, we've just been hearing so much about things within the system that aren't working, people not getting shielding letters, people feeling unsupported by the community. And you just feel like you're banging your head against a brick wall. And then you meet someone like Carol and you're just like, oh, can't everyone just have that energy and passion and want to create change as much as you do? Because then I just feel the world would be. Oh, it would yeah, I feel like it would be become more accessible in a much shorter space of time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just that horrible fact of, that Carol was saying that like every one of her families that she's met has felt some, has experienced some form of discrimination and, and horrible comments when they've been out and about, it just makes me really sad.
0: Yeah. And again, that whole smile, not stare, it's just such a simple but powerful message. And we always say in our shows, again, no matter what's happening on in the show, just to smile and laugh and have that enjoyment with people as human beings. And it's so lovely to have laughter in shows and just have laughter with people that you've just met. And again, smiling is just such a simple thing that we can all do.
1: And I think you hit the nail on the on the head there. It's just, we're all just humans. And I think if people can remember that we all share this basic humanity and we just need to be kind to each other, I think the world would be a much better place.
0: I also love that she took that photo idea from the Duchess of Cambridge and transported it to the community that she supports. I think that's just such an awesome idea. And it just really, really fits with what we've been talking about along the whole way on this podcast everyone feels so isolated and invisible how do we make people visible and something like a photography exhibition is just such an amazing way to be able to do that
1: and they really are beautiful photos and again it's that commitment to quality as well in creating these really quality photos it re- they really feel like a piece of a piece of art and we'd never heard of jolly josh and we just came across it through this photography Project on Facebook. So it really is reaching people in a way that other things maybe aren't.
0: Yeah. And again, just to hear of an artistic idea that someone has achieved during lockdown, I mean, I just feel envious. I I, I wish I'd done it it's amazing no it's really really great yeah really starved of art but also just I feel starved of ideas you know this time in lockdown when we're just spending so much time on our computers and just staring at a screen just to have those innovative ideas that I feel we would normally be having in the rehearsal room surrounded by a team of creatives I feel it's been really really difficult and yeah I just feel really inspired by hearing about other projects that other people are doing Uh, it's really really exciting
1: and I think also I really liked Carol talking about Coronation Street doing this project you know that is the power of art and it's and it's so proper they sit in people's living rooms and they really have the power. To let people know about these issues and to know them really get dig into it on a deep level, so that people can understand it and hopefully start changing their attitudes and again that 's just art that 's just culture that 's just the power that the arts have i think it, and and nothing else can do that you know with the arts you can mirror, you mirror what 's going on in real life, and you let people know that that their stories
0: are important yeah really really great stuff
1: up next on the podcast we are talking to reflect pmld which is a service for people with pmld based down in taunton and they've been really active during lockdown so we're really excited to talk to them
0: about how that's been during this time And we came across Reflect PMLD when we last toured to Taunton, um, to Techie Morris Arts Centre. And we actually found out about them after we had toured there. So I've been meaning to kind of get in touch with them ever since, but haven't really had the opportunity to. So this is going to be a great chance to get to know more about them and hopefully they will be a future Frozen Light audience.
1: So thank you so much for listening today. You can listen to the podcast on all the usual places you would find your podcast you can also find it on our website at www.frozenlighttheatre.com forward slash
0: podcasts please do rate review and subscribe and you can catch us on facebook on facebook.com forward slash frozen light theater on twitter at frozen theater and on instagram at frozen light theater we really look forward to hearing from you see you next week